This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash be here now. Hey everyone, this is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the Be Here Now Network. Uh, my guest today is Neil Donald Walsh, and um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with Neil and his work, but for those who aren't, Neil is a modern-day spiritual messenger whose words continue to touch the world in profound ways with an early interest in religion and a deeply felt connection to spirituality. Neil spent the majority of his life thriving professionally, yet searching for spiritual meaning before experiencing his now famous Conversation with God. Conversations with God series of books that emerged from those encounters has been translated into 37 languages, touching millions and inspiring important changes in their day-to-day lives. Neil has written 37 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life, including titles in the With God series, Conversations with God, books one through three, um, and so on, many of which are New York's time, New York Times bestsellers. His latest book, The Essential Path, uh, was released in June of 2019. Neil travels exclusively, offering presentations focused on what he calls the most important question facing humanity today. Is it possible that there is something we don't fully understand about God and life, the understanding of which uh, would change everything? Neil has a home in Southern Oregon where he lives with his wife, the American poet M. Clare, www.mclairepoet.com. They've traveled extensively throughout the world, speaking to audiences and sharing the messages of the Conversations with God body of work. For more information, visit www.cwgconnect.com. Neil, thanks again for being on the show. Oh, gosh, Chris, that's very sweet of you. You know what? I just I just made a promise to myself this very minute. I will never again have my staff send that introduction to anybody. Like, <laughs> you could have read chapter one of the Encyclopedia Britannica in less time. And oh, I, gosh. I actually did edit that down from what I was said. <laughs> so um, I didn't want to leave out any of the main points, but I oh, understand. Goodness. Um, My goodness. Hey, well, credit where credit's due. No apologies. Um, so for for listeners, um, we we unfortunately had a miscommunication, Neil and I, about time um, for booking the show. So we do have limited time. This will be a bit of a shorter podcast than usual. But um, so I just want to let listeners know we're going to jump right into uh, into the conversation. Great. Uh, so Neil, um, 
you know, this first question, and it segues into the book, which is what we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about. But um, obviously, we are on the heels of, you know, some mass shootings that tragically happened uh, over the last weekend. And um, that, I, you know, depending on who you ask, that made 251 so far this year. And there's talk about stronger gun control laws. And uh, I personally work with a lot of teens and adolescents. I've been doing so for 15 years. And I also see a lot of, um, I, you know, these are teens that have mental health issues. So when I see certain, you know, the president or certain people throwing that out as a, as a part of the reason, I think in certain cases it is, other cases it isn't. Um, but, you know, I would love to hear what your take, what your thoughts are on what's happening in the U.S. with these tragic uh, incidents, because again, I, I think you address a lot of not that specifically, but your book underlies, um, I think, that uh, and what's happening in the country. So, but speaking to that specifically, do you uh, you have any thoughts on that, and and any ideas of what we can begin to do to shift what's happening? Yeah, Chris, thank you for asking me that. And surprisingly, because I don't agree with with him on uh, the majority of his decisions and announcements, but in this case, I find myself agreeing with some of the comments uh, that President Trump made with regard to what's going on that's producing these mass shootings. He, he said that uh, video games were uh, uh, a difficult area in our culture and 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 he did mention mental illness and I, I i don't think he's entirely as you mentioned entirely incorrect in some cases i think he's exactly correct and i don't think we're paying enough attention uh, to people who are having mental challenges right now and i'm very clear that our culture is violence oriented we see it in our video games conversations with god book four makes specific mention of this. I guess that's why I agree with the president on this particular point, because even CWG made the point that if we're trying to create a society where we see violence as the last possible uh, solution to any problem uh, and to be used only you know, when there's no other way, like if somebody's attacking your child or something, we might have to use force, physical force, to stop that attack from occurring, but but we uh, we have created a culture in, in which the use of violence is placed before us and even placed before our children when they're four, six, eight, ten, and twelve years old in the form of these video games. Yes, you bet, and in the form of movies and and all of our entertainments, even comic books. For goodness' sake, you know, I want to share something with you, Chris. Uh, I was watching an NFL game uh, uh, last last football season, and when they break for a commercial, they were breaking for a commercial of some uh, movie that was so the commercial was so violent, uh, and it showed you know people being shot and and and, and I, th I thought why w what are we doing what is going on with our culture why have we created a culture that's so focused on violence that you can walk into uh, the room of a nine or a ten or a twelve-year-old and watch him playing his video game, and the video game is all about shoot him up and kill him. Yeah. And 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 if you say something to the child, what you get over their shoulder is, oh, dad, or oh, gramps, it's just a video game. It's just a game. 
Mm. But you know, we we ignore totally ignore the the uh, impression that our cultural uh, uh, entertainments uh, is 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 creating in the minds of of people, both young people and adults. So uh, I'm not saying these are the main solutions to the problem, but I am saying I don't think the president is totally, completely, absolutely, utterly, and and uh, 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 incorrect in some of the observations that his speechwriters have made right. that 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 we, we need to we need to change our, our culture and culturalize away from violence violence even on television programs these days it's all about violence 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 mm. uh, and 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 but that but but the the question is really why and that's 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 a why would we have fallen into such a cultural trap and the answer to that question is we are an alienated society. We become increasingly alienated from each other. And uh, to the degree that we are now living in an us-against-them world, the likes of which, Chris, I, I'm, a, I'm an older guy. Yeah. And you sound like a, a relatively young man. I'm, I'm 76 years old. Mm. And I can tell you in my 76 years, I've never seen what I'm observing on the planet today at this level where we are seeing an us-against-them uh, culture arise. It's, it's them, it's those other people that are creating the problem. It's, it's those immigrants, it's those young students who don't know what they're talking about, it's those conservatives, it's those liberals, it's those angry women, it's, 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 those, it's, it's this group, it's that group, it's all those other people that are creating uh, our problems. And so we have made the other, whoever the other happens to be, uh, the demons, and we've demonized them. We don't just disagree with people who have different political, psychological, social, or spiritual points of view. The days of easy disagreement, even passionate disagreement, are over. Those days are over. We're now talking about violent disagreement. Right, and and that point I certainly agree with you on. Um, I feel fortunate that I've been able to have um, some rather open conversations with people who support a, a political side that doesn't resonate with me but you're right you turn on the tv you look at um it's it's very violent uh whether it's just in the vocabulary rhetoric to actual literal violence um and it's a sad state of affairs uh no doubt about that the one point i wanted to make about the youth um so I I definitely hear what you're saying, and I think in some cases that is certainly a valid point with, with the violence and uh, video games. On the other hand, you know, I've heard people say, and I think this is valid too, that they have violence in video games in other countries, and we're not seeing this type of behavior uh, in other countries. And I know you did note clearly that our culture is one that is increasingly... Um, oriented around violence and things of that nature. And I'm 42. I grew up um, and I played violent video games and watched violent movies. Um, I And like I said, I've been working with youth for uh, probably about 15 years now um, in mental health facilities. And for me, one of the biggest issues that I see is traumas are not being addressed and not being honored and um, I think that a significant shift would occur if more youth were getting involved in trauma-based therapies. Like 
EMDR or ART. Um, Cause I, you know, to be honest with you, Neil, I, I love Johnny Cash, for example. He's a he's a U.S. treasure, a world treasure. But even Johnny Cash, someone who you would think, you know, he was a very religious man. He even in his music sang about violence. And it's I think we're very hard pressed to find music, film, uh, books, maybe not hard pressed because it's there. But violence to whatever extent certainly does permeate much of the quote-unquote entertainment industry, and I know that that uh, is not going anywhere. Um, so I hear what you're saying, and it's not that I entirely disagree. I just I also think there's other th- issues that aren't being addressed. Like I said, particularly that trauma, um, because those gentlemen, you know, which we're seeing are majority early twenty white males, uh, at least in our country, and this is going back to Timothy McVeigh and, and others. Um, there's some serious underlying issues there. You know, these are not everyday rational people that just decide, um, I'm just going to go blow up a building or shoot a bunch of minorities or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I just wanted to add my thoughts on that as well. I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. So we've cut, as you know, in the past 30 years, we've cut back our funding at the state, local and national level all, all across the board. We've cut back our funding for mental health programs, yeah. and we've actually pushed them out of uh, places where they could get assistance and put them back on the street. Yes, and it's heartbreaking. <laughs> in in Connecticut, it's it's nationwide, but in Connecticut, where I live, every uh, cycle, usually in July, it's more cuts, more cuts, and yet the prison rates are, are rising. And these are for offenders that are, whether it is drug-related or marijuana-related, and instead of getting help, they're just being shipped off to, to, to jails, and, and I'm sure you're aware there are for-profit jails, and there's actual big business now in jailing people, whether it's drug-related or not. And it's just uh, it's really sad. Um, but. We've become a less compassionate society, Chris. And the real The real question that, that we now need to ask ourselves as a collective called humanity, yeah. as, a, as a species— we need to ask ourselves, who are we? Who who really are we as a species? And what is the underlying value yeah. that drives the engine of our experience? Is it going to be, in fact, compassion? And 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 I hate to be sappy about this, yeah. but love, yeah, lo- love for for our fellow uh, human beings, or or is it uh, going to be anger, hatred? And uh, and what's best for me, me first, right. because the, because those cutbacks that we see every July in the funding are are, are uh, based on the electorate saying, you know, I, I don't want to spend my tax money on this anymore. And, and we want to cut back on these programs. Yeah. And and I and the, the question is, why? Yeah. Why? Why? How much at the end of the of the year? What is the individual's tax burden? Are we talking about one hundred and twenty five dollars? For every person in in the state of uh, California, what are we talking about? Right. That we can't we can't afford to fund these kinds of programs. But the the deeper question is, what has pushed us away from our true nature? What what is the true nature of humanity? When they say, "Well, it's just human nature," I hear a phrase I hear a lot. It's yeah. just human nature. What is human nature? Who who are we really as a species? And, and what what is the excuse me but no. last the last sentence who time. are we really who are we really as a species and what is the true nature 
of, of our um, of our collective called humanity, and what do we wish to experience, and from whence arises our deepest sense of ourselves? Who who really are we? Yeah, which is a very eloquent uh, way of of saying that, Neil, and I appreciate that. And I was just going to say it segues perfectly into your book, uh, The Essential Path making the daring decision to be who you truly are. And you begin the book um, by saying, we're one decision away from a solution to humanity's biggest problem. And I would love for you if you can talk a little bit about that, because I feel like that's the direction we were heading anyways. You know, Chris, uh, the, the problem is, the biggest problem in the world today is that we don't understand, or that is the largest number of people don't understand what the problem is. Yeah. We, we, we do see the fallout. We see it in these mass shootings. We see it in in uh, the demonizing of political opponents. We we see it in the, the cutbacks of funding, even not just funding for mental health programs, funding for art in the schools. We can't even have a, a, a an art program anymore in our public right. schools because we, we call it frivolous, a frivolous waste of tax money. But, it, but these programs that we used to enjoy when we were in third, fourth, sixth, eighth, and tenth grade that brought forth a part of us that I'm now talking about, that gentle, compassionate, artistic nature, the soft, sweet element of who we are that we learned about when we were in third grade, fourth grade, eighth grade, tenth grade, when we were in art class or in music class. Or we, we, it's not all about it. I, I noticed, by the way, nobody's cutting back funding for football. Oh, right. because that's yeah. oh, we get to put a helmet on and beat the heck out of each other on a football field. Woo, that's that's important stuff. So don't cut back the sports programs. Cut back fine art. You know, I mean, I mean, really. So, so the, the the challenge for humanity is we don't understand what the nature of the problem is. We see the fallout of the problem, alienation and the loss of compassion, a, a separating of ourselves from who we really are. But what is the cause of all that? The biggest problem in the world today is, in fact, separation. The notion that we are other than and, not, and disconnected from everything, and I mean, I mean that advisedly, not just as a figure of speech, right. that we're separate, we're separate from everything and everyone else. We're separate from our planet. We're, we're separate from, the, from, from nature. We're separate from the animals that we encounter uh, every day in our life. We're separate... From absolutely from each other as human beings yeah. you're over there i'm over here and i have nothing to do with you and you have nothing to do with me and and your priorities are yours and if i don't agree with them i'm uh, not going to i'll do all i can to stop you from uh from reaching what what you want to experience in your life from satisfying your priorities and most important of all we're separate from the notion of a larger entity a larger essence, a larger experience in our universe that I call God in my understanding. Right. So, so we're separate from everything. And, and, and because we're separate from everything, we don't have to care for or have an experience of compassion with regard to any of those other things, not just other people. But I mean the trees, for goodness sake. Yeah. You know, the land. Yeah. The, it, it can, can we have a level of, of caring for our own planet? For, for our own uh, Mother Earth that has been such a good, good uh, a, uh, home for all of us, and we're mistreating it so horribly, horribly mistreating it. 
Yeah. And, you know, and I can talk this way. I don't wear earrings and Birkenstocks. I don't have to be a member of the, you know, what, what they call the tree huggers, what, <laughs> what, cons- what conservatives call right. a crazy, crazy left wing tree hugger. It's apparent to me that we're not taking care of even our own home. Animals even know better than that. Yeah. Dogs and cats know better than to despoil their own place where they live. But we, we have not learned yet how to do that. So, you know, uh, I, the solution to the problem is to make a decision, as you said, a daring decision to change our idea of who we really are, of who, who of our true identity. What is the identity of a human being? Or for that matter, all sentient beings in the universe. Right. And the, 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 uh, the uh, answer to that question that has been proposed in all of the Conversations with God books, including Conversations with God book four, which talks about this same topic in a, a very deep and profound way. The answer to the question is who we are is, in my observation, in my opinion, and what I have come to understand, one with everything. All things are one thing. There is only one thing, and all things are part of the one thing there is. And if we understood that, if we understood that that there is really no separation in actuality, only in our mind, uh, between us and everything else in the universe, and certainly no separation between us and other human beings, mm-hmm. that we are all simply individuated expressions of the only thing there is, and which I which I dare say is what I call divinity. You know, the the book, The Essential Path, uh, offers an interesting series of questions in the beginning, I I think, of chapter two or chapter three, one of the earlier chapters. And it asks there, what would would it be like if you thought that your highest ideas about God and about life, and for that matter, your highest ideas about yourself and other people were true? What if your highest and grandest notion of things was actually how it is, and that those notions are ideas that somehow, for some reason, you've set aside, and you've decided that they're not true? God is not a loving, unconditionally loving God. People are not connected to each other in any really serious and important way. Life is not a, an experience that was meant to be joyful, happy, and wonderful. What, what if we? But what, what, in, what if anything would change in our life? And in the way we behave with each other, if we thought that our highest ideas, the best and most joyful thought we ever had about life, about God, about each other, and about ourselves was true. What if those best ideas were true? What then would change in the way we move through life? And that's the question that the book poses, and then it offers its answers to that question. We would certainly have a different relationship with each other. There's no question about that. And the difference in that relationship could actually bring an end to the alienation we're now seeing arising everywhere in our world. I think that's very well said, and I appreciate the fact of uh, talking about the interconnectivity. Um, I've done a lot of studies with all of the great wisdom traditions, but um, particularly with Buddhism and Vedanta and Hinduism. And uh, I really appreciate Nagarjuna, the Buddhist scholar who talked about the two truths, that of the ultimate unmanifest and that of the relative 
manifest world to us the computer I like everything that takes form that's born out of the unmanifest and I love that he said the two truths not that one is more true than the other it is the trick is finding that middle path the balance between honoring the fact that we are unique individuals but at the same time we are like you know that uh, almost cliche uh, example of the wave rising from the ocean yes we are a wave but we are always connected with that ocean um, like you said divinity with uh, a capital d the one source um, so that's something that i often talk about especially when when i'm working with younger people because i'm trying to plant these seeds earlier on in their lives whether they you know take uh come to fruition then or later on but uh, I agree with you that that is a huge or would make a huge impact if more people were to really not just hear that, but embody that and sit with that in meditation and explore that and experience that, um, which I have. I've been very fortunate to and, and many, many, many people have. And um, but so you're, you're, you're discussing, you know, these questions in chapter two and three. And again, knowing that we have limited time. I still think um, without doing a disservice to the book, we can jump to chapter seven because I think this coincides very, very apropos with what we're talking about. Um, chapter seven is titled The Beliefs. And you write in that belief is in many ways just a shorter word for spirituality. It's a more friendly word, a less threatening or confronting word, but it refers to the same thing. What we hold dear, what we hold to be our most sacred truth. Beliefs are tricky, they can support you, or they can defeat you as an individual and as a collective. So again, I actually think that ties into almost everything we've been talking about, from politics to the interconnectedness we all have. Um, and so, yeah, I would love to hear, if I know you've already been talking a bit about that, but about that chapter specifically, if there's anything more you wanted to, uh, to add to that. Well, I don't remember what the chapter says. But I, it's really funny. You can write a book and actually forget its contents. <laughs> I, I mean, in, I in specific terms, in yes. specific terms, because it flows. My books flow through me. Yes, they don't. Yeah. Really, they don't really come from me. Yeah. I, I'm just a bystander. Yes, a vessel. <laughs> I, I get that. <laughs> I, I, I'm just watching the words appear on the screen, and, sure. and often, often, even I say, "Where did that idea come from?" I never had that idea before. Right. So I'm not sure. I'm. Uh, real, real uh, uh, clear about in my memory about exactly what chapter seven says. But I can tell you this: the 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 beliefs that humanity holds about God, about even the nature of love. What is love? Uh, about who we are. Uh, are, are it's 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 not um, hmm, it's not those others that are tearing us apart. Mm. It's not those immigrants, those those un unwanted people from. Uh, some other country. It's 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 not those students in, in in school who who don't really know anything and and they're they're trying to make make a point with the with their movement. It's not it's not those others, those angry women or those conservatives or those liberals. Those aren't the people who are tearing us apart. It's our beliefs that are tearing us apart. Our our beliefs about everything that we are looking at and seeing in in life. And I'm going to repeat myself, the singular belief uh, in separation. I, 
I had an, an interesting experience in Munich a couple of months ago. I was invited by an organization in Munich to come and talk to teenagers, actually, mentioning your work with young people. Yeah. They, asked me to, they asked me to come in and talk with teenagers in Germany uh, about uh, the future and, and who they are with, with regard to it. And I had a very interesting program with them in which I invited them to look, look at their hand. I said, hold your hand in front of you. And they all did. And I said, notice that you have five fingers on your hand and that each of them are highly individualized. None of those five fingers look alike. They're all remarkably different from each other. Uh, they all perform different functions, in fact. But, but even though they function differently and look different, they are, in, in, and even though they are highly individualized, they are in no way separate from each other, but are connected to each other mm. by the hand itself, which is connected to the arm, which is connected to the body. What if all of us were simply fingers on the hand of God? Hmm. Could, 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 we, could, we, could we live with a notion that while we are individualized, we are not in any way separate from each other? That we are simply individual manifestations and individual aspects uh, of the of the single thing that there is, which is what I mentioned before. And, and I, I, I allow them to. I say, whenever you start thinking that you're separate from someone else, but open your hand up and and just move move your hand around and move your fingers around and watch those fingers act differently and look differently, but behave as uh, as one in terms of there being a part of the single body that we all are. So it's, it's our beliefs, it's our beliefs, uh, our beliefs in limitation. There's not enough. There's, 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 there's not enough time. There's not enough money. Neil, you know, I love to hear you talk, but, you know, there's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not even enough God. We have to even have competition with each other over who and what God is, if we even believe in God at all. Yeah. Because there's not enough food, there's there's not a, so we have to we have, so our belief in not enoughness, our belief in insufficiency is is our is is a huge belief that that we have embraced as a, as a, as a culture, our belief in need that 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 things that we need certain things but without which we cannot be happy, these are beliefs that we hold uh, that that are killing us, frankly. Yeah. And, and you mentioned God, and of course, as you, we all know, you know, there has probably been, not probably, I believe, there has been more deaths in this world um, due to religions and in the name of quote-unquote God, um, or regardless of what God you believe in or do not believe in. Um, so, you know, that can also be a very loaded word for people and something I have to be careful when I'm doing work, not just with youth, but in general, some people hear that word. And if they're not open minded, automatically just will shut down or, or write you off. Um, so you have had all of these conversations with God and continue to what either do you as Neil or or God, uh, what what is the take, your take, or God? Uh, how does one have a relationship with God? Or, you know, I invite listeners to uh, take whatever word that they feel more comfortable, if so, and replacing God with that, whether spirit, source, universe, whatever. Um, but but what what is your um, 
what do you have to, to share about that, about people embracing this idea of, quote unquote, God, or another way of approaching it, if that word is uh, loaded for them, is something that they're not comfortable with? Just look at life. Hmm. I invite people to just look at life. Do you see at any level any sense of interconnectedness? Can, can, you, can you see the marvelous system that life has put into place where one thing depends upon another, depending upon another, depending upon another, depending upon another? Can, can you see that through line in the script of humanity where it is entirely true, not something we're imagining, not something we're making up in our mind, not something that someone else has told us. We experience it directly. Can, can, can you see that through line between uh, everything that you're looking at and how interconnected everything is? Mm-hmm. Or do you really think that there's no connection, no connection whatsoever between uh, the cutting down of millions and billions of trees every year and global warming, as an example? Do, do, do you see no connection whatsoever between the uh, uh, nuclear testing underneath, underneath the surface of the earth now taking place uh, all over the world not just in los alamos but everywhere now now occurring and they just had a huge accident in, in russia the other day uh, a huge uh, nuclear accident because of nuclear testing of nuclear weapons un- underground mm. there no connection between that and tsunami and 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 the tsunami in indonesia or the earthquakes that we're seeing all over the world see so we don't See, we refuse to admit that there's a connection between these things that I'm mentioning and many more I haven't mentioned, because in order to agree that there is some connection, we would have to notice and find a way to discuss our own culpability in the matter. As part of, as part of the collective experience called life on this planet, and for that matter, life in the cosmos, we would have to accept that we are playing a role in the process by which life itself is evolving right and so and, and so and so what i would say to people with, with regard to that is do you believe in any kind of higher power at all as you just mentioned chris call it by any name you want to call it do you, but do you see any kind of systemic approach or do you really think that life is just a series of totally random expressions random and manifestations one of which has zero to do with the other one of which has absolutely nothing to do with the other? Or can you see yourself as part of a larger cosmology? See, but here, here's, here's the, the, the point that I make in the book. Yeah. Because we believe in a separation theology, even those of us who do believe there is such a thing called God, the largest number of those, not all of them, but the largest by far, the largest number of people who believe there is such a thing called God, believe that God is separate from us. Mm-hmm. That is to say, that force, that energetic, that prime source is over there, and we're over here. We may be a manifestation of it, but we are forever separate from it. That's what I call a separation theology. Mm-hmm. You know, and that wouldn't be so bad, Chris, if it, if it began and ended there. But it doesn't. It doesn't stop there. Because a separation theology inevitably produces a separation cosmology. That is a cosmological holding that everything is separate from everything else. That we live in a system of separation where things uh, exist simultaneously but separate from each other. And the problem with a separation cosmology is that it inevitably produces a separation psychology. That is 
I am psychologically alone. I'm out here by myself. It's me against the world. We're all separate from each other. And so I have a separation psychology that tells me that I must do whatever I can possibly do uh, in, in order to survive. And the problem with the separation psychology is that it inevitably produces a separation sociology. Sociological forces that cause us to join together in groups, call them political parties, call them religions, call them nation states, whatever you want to call them, but we separate ourselves into smaller groups so that we can maintain our individuated identity and protect our own and do what we need to make ourselves great again. And, and, and the hell with everyone else because we're, they're not part of our particular agenda. And the problem with the separation uh, sociology is that it inevitably produces a separation pathology. That is, pathological behaviors of self-destruction. And we're seeing it all over the world today with people driving automobiles into crowds in order to kill as many as they can or walking into a mosque somewhere uh, in New Zealand with an with a AK-14 and, uh, and, and killing as many people as we can uh, or, or simply passing laws yeah. that, 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 that allow us to damage our world and each other. So it's the notion that we are separated from ourselves, from each other, and from this thing that we call God that produces a mindset that allows us to behave in the way we're behaving. Yeah, very well said, Neil. I appreciate all of your thoughts and sentiment on that. And, uh, you know, being cognizant and aware of, of time and uh, respecting that we only have a, a few moments left, I, I wanted to um, end this conversation uh, with the final chapter in your book, and it's called The the Finale. And I know, as you said earlier, you these are just kind of downloads for you. So I wanted to share an excerpt with our readers um, because I think this would be a very nice way to end the conversation. It's a very promising, inspiring, and and hopeful uh, way that you not only end the book, but I think we can um, bring this uh, conversation to a close. In, in the finale, you write, we're all doing our best here, but let's not kid each other. This is not an easy road that we're traveling. The journey from birth to death is no picnic. It can be more joyful, more fulfilling, and more wonderful if we know who and what we are, if we know that we are, in fact, spiritual beings slash one being. Sadly, no one told us this in school. No one taught us this at our place of worship. No one discussed this at the dinner table in our home. No one supplied us with this information when we were younger to prepare us to enter into adult life. This is the info they never gave us. And you can, you continue on a little bit more um, but then you come to a section where it says, uh, this list was given to us in a text of the book, Conversations with God, Book 4, Awaken the Species. It describes 16 differences in the behavior of an awakened species when compared to the behavior of humans living in an unawakened state. And you, you say you reprinted it here because you believe that humanity benefits enormously, excuse me, enormously when... Helpful information is repeated as often as possible, and I couldn't agree with you more there. So, you know, you list these 16 items, um, and and then you kind of end the, the book just elaborating on them. So 
Is there any out of those 16 that particularly, I mean, they're all important, of course, but are there any that particularly stick out to you um, or that are coming to mind right now that you feel would be of benefit to share? Or I can, even if there's a number and you don't remember it verbatim, I can read to the listeners. The first one, of course, who we've been talking about for the past 25 minutes, which is highly evolved beings are very clear about the unity of all of life. And, and, and humans living in an unawakened state often ignore that truth uh, completely. Uh, highly evolved beings also tell the truth to everyone yeah. all the time. They, they, and, and in every circumstance, highly, and, and uh, humans living in an unawakened state often lie, sometimes even to themselves. Highly evolved beings share everything with everyone all the time. Highly evolved beings know nothing about about ownership, they wouldn't imagine that they own the land, for instance, just to give you a silly example. We live in a society where I think that I own the land on which I am living because I paid for it. So, But the question becomes, how far down is down and how far up is up? When I worked for uh, the United States government uh, on a contract basis, I was traveling for a project called Project AIDSAT, where believe it or not, Chris, we sat in rooms of highly intelligent professional people discussing how high is up because there was an argument of whether our satellite, which when I say our, I mean the U.S. government's satellite, which flies over the uh, the, uh, earth at 24,500 miles in the air, not 24,500 feet, 24,500 miles in Mm -hmm. the air, but it does fly at 24,000 miles in the air over certain countries. And those countries were claiming that they own the air rights and that our satellite needed to pay them and, and to share the information it's gathering with them uh, because they had air rights. The other, the other question is how far down is down? We were discussing with highly intellectual, highly professional people in, in, in this conference how far down is down. If I own the land on which my house exists, how far down beneath the surface of the land uh, it, does my ownership extend? To the core of the earth? And if we find any kind of oil down there or minerals of any kind or uh, uh, any, anything that's of value, it belongs to me because, after all, I own these 14 acres? Or, or past the center of the earth, out the other side? Where, you know, how, so we have these, kind of, with these ideas because in an unenlightened society, we actually argue about how far up is up and how far down is down. But in, in the highly evolved cultures would never do that. And, and highly evolved beings don't have any competition with each other. They, they don't compete with each other in any way for any resource. But, but, and, and so, and by also, by the way, highly evolved beings do what they say they're going to do. And they see what is so. Highly evolved beings clearly see what is true. And they do what works in the face of their understanding of what is true. Human beings see what is true, but they do the opposite. They do what does not work. For instance, we know that it's true that eating certain kinds of foods are damaging to our health, especially in the long run. We eat those foods anyway. We drink those substances, those those liquids anyway. We fry our brains with certain liquids that we know are not uh, healthy for us. We do it anyway. So there are many, many huge differences between the behaviors of highly evolved beings and humans living in an unawakened state, not the least of which is highly evolved beings 
use the force and the source and the energy of metaphysics throughout their lives, human beings often ignore the fact that metaphysical energy even exists, much less do they use it uh, to improve and radically alter their lives. Mm. Well, very well said, Neil. I really appreciate your time. Um, again, I know we got uh, the lines uh, mixed up a little bit on our timing. I'm grateful that we still were able to have this conversation a little shorter than usual for the show, but I still think there is a lot of wisdom and things that listeners um, will certainly walk away with. Um, and again, the name of the book, The Essential Path, Making the Daring Decision to Be Who You Truly Are. Um, Neil, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and again, for listeners, Neil's website is www.cwgconnect.com. Or if you're checking this out on the Be Here Now Network site, simply scroll down. The link will be included right there, as will a link to Neil's latest book, The Essential Path. And from there, you'll be able to find all of Neil's other work, workshops, speaking engagement, things of that nature. So, Neil, I appreciate your time and thank you for the work you're doing in the world. Well, Chris, you're very generous in the things you're saying, and I appreciate uh, those those kindnesses. And I hope we have a chance to maybe be together again. Let's do another podcast here in, in, in a few weeks and, and make it twice as long. I, I like that idea. I look forward to that, Neil. Okay, my friend. Until then, take good care and thank you again. You too. Blessed be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.